What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Cancelled Apprentice podcast, where we develop resilience and learn how to reach maturity mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I'm your host and Cancelled Apprentice, Cole Vandervoort. I'm the king This is it. <laughs> uh, so this is our first debrief episode. This is the first one. And we've been waiting for this for a long time. Oh, so fun. And uh, today we're going to debrief Tullian. Tullian Chavidjan, Billy Graham's grandson. First of all, how hilarious is it that we made it through the entire interview without even acknowledging that? We didn't even talk about that. Well, you made him think that it was going to be brought up I right did. Away. I think I juked him. I think yeah, I juked him. definitely juked him with the Swollian. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, <laughs> the first thing people think about, you know, Billy Graham's grandson is like one of the first things. Right, right. Yeah, I was thinking that too. And and I I was looking at other interviews and podcasts and things with him. And I was thinking, man, so many people like just want to cover this right off the bat. And I was thinking, what if we just didn't talk about it? And we didn't. If he wanted to bring it up, I was going to let him. But I was like, he's talked about this a million times. Yeah. Let's talk about something else, you know, yeah. see, see what else is in there. Because, you know. That's been covered. If we have him back, it'd be kind of fun to hear yeah. uh, a little bit about his experience growing up. I did really want to hear him do like a good Billy Graham story with a Billy Graham impression. Oh, impression. Yes. Oh my gosh. I bet he has the best Billy Graham impression. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I do want to want to uh, talk about some of the things that he taught us, but for these debriefs, I want it to just be like a conversation with us yeah. and uh, that other people get to hang out with because I think our conversations are the best ever, uh, which is why we do it, what, three, four times a week? Yeah, yeah. So Like middle school girls. Like middle school girls, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, except for we're not going to scratch each other's eyes out. Maybe, Probably. hopefully. <laughs> Jerry's still out on that. Uh, so, dude, How's your week? What's new? Uh, pretty good, considering that uh, a few days ago I got back from Hawaii, uh, from Maui. Oh, man. Uh, good time. Took the family over there, met my parents, uh, my sister and her husband. So good times. Uh, did some fishing over there. Caught lots of different tropical fish, which is fun. Catch and release, threw them back. Um, but super fun. My dad caught this huge needle nose, like fish, like several feet long, super skinny, really cool. Really? Um, hit different beaches every day. I went up to this place called Mount Haleakala. Uh, beautiful views, scenery, swam with some turtles. Uh, but yeah, we went to this, this Methodist, uh, Tongan Methodist church. And it was it was super fun. We we went there actually the first time I went. I think it was like 2014 or so. And uh, the first time that I went to this this church, it's just like a small corner church. It's got I don't know maybe 50 people or so <laughs> in it. And uh, it's like a few people who have moved to Hawaii. Uh, some Tongan people, some Hawaiian people. It's it's a fun mix. Uh, but the pastor at the time, they have a new pastor. The pastor at the time was ancient. And <laughs> he was like, I mean, he was sitting at the door welcoming people and he had his cane and uh, just like looking you dead in the eyes, no facial expression. 
And I walk up to him and he's like, hello. I'm like, hey. And we're with this couple that goes there. And she's like, he's a pastor. I'm like, ah, I, I hate when that happens, man. Something <laughs> always happens when people find out I'm a pastor. Is it like a pastoral turf war, like in those cop shows where it's like, this isn't your jurisdiction. I just made it my jurisdiction. Dun, dun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I could, I do not care. Uh, no, he was just like, oh, what, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I do worship. I work with college students, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I said, but I'm not the main pastor. The main pastor is uh, Steve. He's the main guy. And he's like, oh, very good. Glad to have you here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So then we go in and, uh, <laughs> and at the towards the end of the service, and I mean, this guy talks so slow and monotone. <laughs> and he's, he's a very nice guy. At the end uh, of the service, he's like, and now it is time for the benediction. Oh man. And he I'm already at peace. He looked, it was very peaceful. Yeah. Looks out at us and he's like, Pastor Steve, will you come to do the benediction? He thought you were Steve? <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm like, hmm. I didn't didn't see another pastor here this morning. And then he's like, Pastor Steve. And I'm looking around like, oh dude, this pastor Steve guy is in trouble. <laughs> I'm like, what is this guy doing? And then he's like, Pasta Steve. And my mom looks at me. She's like, that's you. <laughs> I'm not Steve. She's like, he thinks it's you. I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Out. I've never even been to this church. I don't know any of these people. Worst part is, I don't know what a benediction is. <laughs> oh no. Wrong uh, denomination. Yeah. At the time, I didn't. I do now, but I get up there and he's just looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at everybody else. I'm like, I don't even know what this is. So, Call yourself a pastor. You could, yeah, pretty pretty much. And then I just looked at everybody, <laughs> folded my hands. I said, let us pray. Oh, man. And then I did. And then that was the end of it. Oh, like, man. He threw you into the deep end. Yeah. Got me good. Man. Good. He said originally, he's like, if I would have known you was coming, I would have had you preach. I'm like, I don't know if you want if you want that. You don't even know. <laughs> you just spewing heresy. Yeah, yeah. Classic. Classic Pastor fun. Steve. Classic Pastor Steve. That's me. Well, so there you have it, folks. You know, welcome to the Canceled Apprentice. I'm your host, Cole Vandervoort, and this is Pastor Steve, is apparently. Steve. From now on. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, so we had a good time. I can't believe you've never told me that story. <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, it was a good time. This time they have, it's like the exact opposite of the guy who's there now. He is like the most energetic, charismatic, like Methodist guy I've ever seen in my life. And uh, yeah, he was he was really fun. But yeah, we had a good time in Maui, man. My daughter, she's six months old and uh, took her out into the ocean yeah. And at first, absolutely hated it. Didn't like the water. Very skeptical. How do you take a six-month-old out into the ocean? Do you just like what? put them on a raft or? Basically, she's we, get, we got her her own like little buoy system. Like you put her in, you put the legs through. It like keeps her afloat. It's got a little sail on top that covers her from the sun. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be some kind of Spartan ritual. Like you throw them into the deep end yeah. and if they make it, they make it. Yeah. Well, and you still have a daughter. It. Ah. Yeah. 
She would have made it. We'll go. That girl's hardcore. Yeah. Well, she for sure is. By the (laughs) end of the week, not only did she love it, but out in the waves, she just ended up falling asleep. Really? (laughs) She just slept. So you guys just like leave her out there in the buoy, like tie a tie a string, you know, and wrap it around like a pole or something on the beach. Turtle. Oh, Johnny Depp style. Yeah. Sea turtles. (laughs) Yes. So just uh, you roped a couple of sea turtles. She roped a couple of sea turtles. She didn't get too far, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, <laughs> I had a hand on the little buoy the whole time. Yeah, uh, and she was just rocking back and forth out in the ocean. Yeah. I mean, probably the most peaceful nap of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rum will do that to you. Yeah, <laughs> you conveniently left that part out of the story. <laughs> little bottle of rum. <laughs> Uh, CPS, please don't call us. Jake's a great father, we promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was a good time, man. That sounds like a blast. How you been? Oh, man. I've been pretty good. Yeah, I've been pretty good. Uh, Starting this podcast has been a lot of fun, a lot of challenges, things I I wasn't expecting. Um, Yeah, I just... uh, I am uh, having a lot of fun, you know, getting to know different people and different guests and things that people I didn't even think would respond to me. Also, uh, yeah, yeah, like Tullian was one of them. I was like, I yeah. cannot believe this guy even responded to me. This Shut is so much fun. Yeah. And then also just the fact that we like kind of struck up a friendship and, yeah. you know, now we kind of chat a little bit. I felt like you guys just, yeah, really clicked. Yeah. Your guys' personalities, yeah. I think, are quite similar. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt that too. And I, I I don't know. I had a little bit of a hunch, but I didn't really have any reason to believe that before the interview. And then we just kind of did the interview and I was like, I don't know. I'm going to treat him like I'd treat me. And then <laughs> it was just fun, man. Yeah. Um, But the other thing uh, that I'm kind of excited about lately, actually, this first thing that you said when you walked in the door, I'm down, what, 40... 42 pounds now in the last four months. And to be honest, yeah. I took a month off because I needed kind of a break from, I was working too much, right? Yeah. And I was starting to get burnt out. And um, and uh, yeah, I actually, I hit a kind of a wall and that happens, you know, to all of us, I think at some points. But um, so kind of really in three months functionally, but in four months time, I'm, I'm yeah. down 42 pounds. And yeah, and that's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of fun and a lot of challenge yeah. for me. I mean, that's a lot. I know. A amount of time. I mean, it was trippy when I saw you. I was like, I mean, we don't get to see each other too often because I'm in Boise. Yeah. And you're here in Portland area. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I walked in. I'm like, dude, is this high school? <laughs> I'm like, I haven't seen you this this rail thin since yeah. yeah, like a decade ago. And what's weird to me is now I'm I. I look like I felt like I looked in my head. Uh. Like the the kind of insidious thing, I've heard this before. I don't know if it's fair. And so please don't quote me on it and be like, Cole says this about men and women. I'm, But I have read this meme and it seems at least in my wife and my relationship, it's like women look in the mirror and typically see themselves more distorted, more uh, imperfect, more fat or more whatever uh, mm-hmm. than they actually are. And men look in the mirror and typically see themselves as, you know, more in shape than they actually are. And they have a distorted view, a, a little inflated uh, the opposite way. <laughs> or the more prideful. Yeah. Yeah, gender. Okay. And that definitely happened with me. Like, I now match what I had in my head of the way that I looked, right? Because <laughs> uh, I that's, you know, in high school, I was always super thin, right? And then the the, you know 
increase in that was pretty gradual um, to where I didn't really realize it. And then uh, when COVID hit, when oh, we hit, God. you know, we gained that COVID 25 or whatever. <laughs> uh, the COVID 19 wasn't enough. You had to hit the 25. <laughs> and uh, there. yeah, and there was like nothing to do but stay at home and probably drink more than you should. And um, at the end of that, one day I, I actually like, it overcame my my uh, rose-colored glasses in the mirror. And I looked in the mirror. I was like, who is that? Yeah. What is going on here? I don't... That's not me. Yeah. I don't like that one bit. Uh, yeah. So my friend's mom was like, you know, she's... Uh, he and I were hot tubbing, in, you know, four months ago, actually. And then I said, uh, hey, your name's Jackie. I said, Jackie, uh, you lost a ton of weight, like, I don't know how much she's lost, but it's a ton. Like, she looks great. Hmm. It was like five years ago and stayed off. And I asked her, like, how did you, how did you do that? And she said, intermittent fasting. And I'd heard of that, but I'd, I had never heard of people doing it like repetitiously as a diet, or I don't actually like that word, as a lifestyle, I should say, uh, a, f- a different way of eating. Um, and she said, just read some books on it. Here's two books. She gave me two books and I bought them and, I read them. And uh, maybe we'll have some of the authors on those books uh, on here sometime. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but it, it, I, I'm gonna be honest, I was like, this is not, this is a bunch of crap. Yeah. Because <laughs> it breaks every rule that you th- know about like weight loss. It's like, oh, you don't have to eat several small meals a day yeah. to keep your metabolism up. Um, you don't have to meet a certain caloric goal, whether it's, you know, high or low. Um, caloric deficit turns out there's tons and tons of studies that show this. And it's really fascinating because we, we have this idea. It's like, okay, normal, like static is like 2000 calories a day, give or take for a person. But we also acknowledge immediately. It's like, okay, not every person is 2000 calories a day. And there's, if you work out, then you burn more. If you don't, you know, then it depends. You may, may put on some, or you may, need to have a little bit less to to kind of get down to where you want. It, like we acknowledge, even when we say it, this doesn't really work, but then we like cling to it like it's everything, right? And mm. and what studies show like across the board is your metabolism will compensate for your caloric intake. So let's say you go into caloric deficit, right? You have way less calories. Um, over time, the longer you do that, you know, uh, your body's going to start shutting off some essential or non-essential if, as as it views it functions. Usually, it's typically your like uh, hair, your hair and your nails are the first thing to go, I guess. And then the ability to keep yourself warm, which is really interesting. You know, you're to regulate temperature, or warm or cold, I guess. Which had that problem since I was like born. Yeah, but that's because you have no body fat. That might be it. Okay, <laughs> go on. Uh, it's really interesting though because. Uh, Apparently, these studies are showing, which is, and they're they're saying in these books that this is why, um, like the the show, the Biggest Loser, right? Why they don't have any reunions is they've studied those folks on the show and found that they gain it back, or they gain a bunch of it back because when you start eating in a consistent deficit, your metabolism adapts. Hmm. Oh, I'm only getting fourteen hundred calories a day, and then it adapts to that. And then I guess on average, you have to eat uh, 400 less calories for the rest of your life. It's like, if you do it long enough, it's permanent. 
and your metabolism like actually slows down forever. Wow. So even eating normal, uh, like in a way that wouldn't normally have you gain weight, you're going to gain weight. Even eating on a diet, yeah. uh, you're either just going to plateau or you're going to you're going to start putting weight back on and not really understand why. Um, so yeah, this whole fasting thing, I, I ate whatever I wanted, man. Yeah. I was losing five pounds, a, you know, the first few weeks. Yeah. And I was eating brownies, <laughs> drinking beer like almost every night. And I was like, this, this feels impossible. Yeah. And it's just eating in a five hour window. Hmm. You know, it was a lot of fun. And, and, you know, I do go to the gym every day on my lunch break for about 30 minutes. Um, about 30 minutes. It's not like this crazy strenuous, you know, and I don't do, I don't do almost any cardio because my heart hates me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my resting heart rate's way As too high. As stated in this episode. As stated. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So that's the thing I'm really excited about right now is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel really good. It, what's super weird to me is like getting down below. I felt good when I lost, uh, you know, 15 pounds, 20 pounds, I felt better, right? Mm -hmm. But then getting down below like 15% body fat, as soon as I hit there um, and and started to get a little below that, um, I saw drastic changes. Mm. I've had acid reflux disease since I was five years old. I've had heartburn like almost every night. It's gone. I have oh, I have none. Gosh, okay. Um, yeah, it's super, super weird. I didn't know I could live without that. Uh, I'll also, I've had... Uh, I require less sleep. Hmm. I have more energy. I have no afternoon crash. I have, um, I don't know. I have a lot more self-control, a lot more focus. Uh, it's just weird, man. It's it's fun. I'm enjoying it. And it, it, the crazy thing is I'm less hungry fasting and eating one meal a day. I'm That's less nice. hungry than I ever was eating normally. Wow because my satiation hormones rise so much mm -hmm. and I have so much control over my insulin and that insulin sensitivity yeah. uh, raises. And so I, I'm just not hungry until I want to eat and then I eat and then I get really hungry and it's the best tasting meal I ever had. I'm like, wow, I can't believe how good that was. It, it probably wasn't even that great, but it just tastes great. You ever heard hunger is the best spice? Mm. But yeah, I just don't feel hungry and it's really nice. So not to get all uh, spiritual on you, do it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, but, I mean, fasting is definitely a biblical concept, obviously. Mm. Um, do you ever, like, filter that as, like, a state of mind? Like, okay, I'm fasting, not just for, like, a physical purpose, like, a bodily, like, I want to feel better, look better. But do you ever incorporate anything uh, Jesus-y? Yeah. Yeah, so there is a... I don't remember who... Actually, I think it was John Whitaker. Um, we're gonna have him on soon. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's a good friend of ours. He um, does the the Bible and Life podcast, yep, and then um, what's the title of his other one? What he has two podcasts, Bible and Life, and oh, the listeners, the listeners commentary. Yeah. Thank you, drawing a blank there. Uh, spectacular, definitely uh, check him out. Um, but he was our college professor back in the day, way back in undergrad, and then I think senior year he. You know, kind of taught taught us about spiritual practices. We'd never heard of it before. Yeah. And one thing that he said is really useful with fasting is to say is to pray every time you're hungry. Yeah. Um, God, let me hunger for you more than I hunger for food. Mm -hmm. 
and to let that hunger become a prompt, a physiological prompt to reorient uh, your mind to the awareness of the presence of God in your life. Yeah. Because so often we're just so busy. There's so much going on. We just don't think, oh, God is in this room with me right now. Yeah. And and using that as a physiological prompt um, is super helpful. So especially in the beginning, yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. Uh, not only that, but then neurologically, right? Anything that you can do um, to stretch your self-control, to stretch that cerebral cortex, mm. is going to have impacts on your self-control in other areas. Mm. Uh, traditionally, they would call it like the spiritual disciplines of abstinence. When you're yeah. abstinent in one area, it's going to carry on to other areas in your life. So if right. you're having struggles with self-control in other areas, it it definitely does improve that. I can definitely attest to that. I have way more self-control in, in a number of categories than I than I did before, which is really, I mean, I've never heard somebody be like, oh man, I've got so much self-control. This is terrible. Like, it's really nice. I feel like I'm I'm f- more free, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline, building that discipline. So yeah. It, do you feel like you were doing those things or have been doing those things as you fasted? Like, is it prompt, is it physiologically prompting you to engage with God throughout the day more? Or is that something you want to incorporate? So I would say that I have not done it as well as I'd like. You know, it's uh, it's not something I, I feel a lot of shame about because obviously yeah. I'm seeing a lot of success, but but it would, I would like to... Um, to do that more. Part of the issue now is that it's not as much a physiological prompt because I'm less oh. hungry than I used to be. Right. Yeah. right? And so um you're so used to it now. I'm used to it and and uh it actually yeah, because I'm less hungry, it, I, you could say that it it has the capability of making me less aware of God's presence than normal if hunger is my prompt, right? Uh but I would say that uh just the increase in self-control does help me um, take more um, ownership over my my life and my schedule, and I can make myself do what I want to do and not do what I don't want to do a lot easier. And that does still create space. Totally. Yeah, to try to spend time with God. And I have noticed that for sure. That's cool. That's yeah. Cool. Love it. Dude, you want to you wanna talk about what Tullian taught us? We hopping into this? Yeah. Let's do it. What was your favorite parts of the episode? What were the highlights for you? Um, this was a fun one, man. <laughs> Definitely, yeah, a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs. But a lot of man, really deep stuff from that guy. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, just that quote that he had about cancel culture. In fact, I want to bring it up. I want to read it real quick. Yeah, do it. So he said, while our culture cancels people who have done terrible things, Jesus cancels the terrible things that people are canceled for. The sins and scandals that cancel culture chooses not to forget Jesus chooses not to remember. That's the gospel. Wow. It's like, that's an incredible quote. Yeah, it's like when somebody somebody takes the theme and the title of our podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. And then says it better than we did. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's like, dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's, we'll probably be touching more on like the apprenticeship side of the name mm. as things go on. Mm. Um but it's it was kind of nice to have him. I mean, this will be our opening episode with him and just talking about the cancel side of the name with him, especially someone who has uh, experienced it as deeply as he has. Yeah. Uh, I think that was really, really cool to get his perspective on cancel culture. Yeah, I thought so too. 
and also I, I just, as a person who's been canceled so many times in my life, uh, some that I've earned, some that I don't know, maybe I didn't, but it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, it, it means a lot to me. Um, like if, if I'm going to have a relationship with a God, right. And, and I, I do, um, I want one, I want God to have an understanding of cancellation. I want God to, to not, to be the anti-cancellation, right? To, to pick us up and, and revive us and say, no, no, no. You know, I've been through it too. I've been canceled, right? And I mean, Jesus was canceled way worse than me. Oh. Uh, you know, way worse. And yet in that, he did the most beautiful thing. And I think sometimes we look at cancellation and we say, okay, this this failure or this pain or this rejection is something that that is hurts. It's terrible, right? And and I think a lot of times we think best case scenario, I can get through this pain and get back to it being static or normal. Mm. But what uh, what following Jesus looks like is that cancellation can actually and become a huge blessing. It, it's it can be a positive. It can it can go above uh, normal in the scales, and it can it can be something that you look back on favorably, something that you look back on thankful for. And I never believe that in the moment. Hmm. I never believe that in the moment. Yeah. But later, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I wouldn't trade that. Yeah. I can't believe I wouldn't trade that, but I'm so glad. Uh, you you've helped me with that, really so much. Oh yeah, um, you know cancellation. There's there's always heavy conflict, mm. and that is uh, the opposite of what I love. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like all conflict to please leave my life. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I look back on those times of deep conflict, which we've. You've helped me talk through, wrestle through, think through, and and process. Because um, I'll fight anybody. What was that? I'll fight with anybody. I don't care. <laughs> I know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and and I hated it. Yeah, and in the moment. Yeah, all that conflict. But then I look back and I'm like, several things that I would never trade came as a result of that. Uh, one being. I felt so close to God. I yeah. felt God's presence like in never, your weakness. Yeah, in my weakness. Yeah. Um because I I could not do anything except barely read a psalm and utter a prayer mm. of needing God's help. And uh yeah, just sensing God's ten tangible presence with me every single day, even though I was felt depressed. Um, so yeah, there's it's weird. Like I don't want that in my life, but at the same time, I loved the time with God that I got to have because of that. Uh, and then the the other thing just coming out of that conflict is it shaped me for future conflict. Mm. So I'm just I feel so much better about it, right? Now. And it doesn't it doesn't feel as crushing. Yeah. Uh which I've noticed that with you too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's spectacular how much you've been able to manage conflicts and and not just um 
in mitigating the ones that, you know, other people start with you. Um, that happens in life. But also having the courage to step out and say, uh, excuse me, no, like I'm going to initiate this conflict and you're night and day different in the last, you know, two years than, than before, just because you got thrown into the deep end of conflict every single day for so long. Yeah. And it gets old, but, mm. <laughs> but at the same time, it builds, uh, what our podcast calls resilience. Yes. Developing that resilience. Yeah. The unfortunate part about developing resilience is that you have to go through something in order to develop it. <laughs> it it hurts. It's like that the gym. The part. If you want to bulk up, you gotta you gotta tear down muscle. It's not comfy. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, for our listeners, um, if what I would love for them to be able to take away from this is that we have been through some dark valleys in our lives. And a lot of our guests have been through dark valleys in their lives. Um, mm -hmm. Tolian's, my yeah. gosh, what oh, a man. story. He said that he thought he'd never feel happiness again. Yeah. He'd be happy again. Yeah. Like, wow, that's a dark spot. Yeah, I felt that too. And uh, what I guess I, I hope they take away from it is that they're not alone, even when they feel lonely. And that this isn't a podcast um, for people who have it together. I'm not your hero. <laughs> Jake right. is not your hero, right? Uh, we're walking with you and, and we have some tools that we think are worth sharing because they've been meaningful to us. And if they're meaningful to you, that'd be wonderful. But really, we just want to walk with you. We want you to know that that it's it's not only going to go back to normal and get better, but if you lean into it, and this is the big if, because you brought up, you have to go through something. You have to go through pain. Yep. If you transform that pain and mm. dissect it and scratch at it and dig into it and, and treat it like surgery instead of just a stabbing, right? Right. Uh, that pain, God can transform it into something beautiful in your life that you wouldn't trade, that, that actually is beneficial somehow. But if you don't, if you try to avoid it, hide from it, all of these other things, it. it's going to fester. Yep. You're going to always hate it and it's going to change you for the worse. Yeah. And we've all seen people like that, that are oh, just yeah. bitter, that are sick, Yeah, you know, in their soul after, after pain. And, and I would argue that you can't fully develop and mature into the person God has created you to be without such things. No. I agree. Hagberg and Gulich. Oh. <laughs> What's that book? The Critical Journey. The Critical Journey. One. Spectacular uh, book. Spectacular. And then Pete Scazzaro and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. All those, all those books like that, they're going to tell you that you have to encounter the wall. Oh, yeah. In order to become the, the person of maturity and their six um, kind of scales, like the end of it uh, is a person of love. Yeah. And uh, in order to get to that stage six level of maturity, you have to go through um, stage four, the wall. You, you can't go around it. You can't go under it, over it. You have to go through it. You got to go through it. That's the, I mean, it's unfortunate, <laughs> but it's- I wish we could only have to go through it once. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I hate that there's 
other walls yeah. coming in my future. I, I've been through a few already and I keep thinking, that's it, right? No. I know. No, unfortunately. But nothing grows me like that time. Oh, I know. On the other end of it, if you make it through it, nothing grows and changes you like that. Yep. Yep. I think I heard... Uh, uh, who was it? A pastor was saying that basically every... Every decade of your life, you're you're likely to hit at least one major wall. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. A wise thing. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at least I'm ready for I guess in a way I'd rather I'd rather be aware that yeah. there will be more. Yeah. And that there's purpose to it. That yeah. something meaningful can come out of it, that I can be better afterwards that I can connect with God on a more on a on a deeper basis because of it. Yeah, because the the temptation I think I don't think it's explicitly stated, but the philosophy that yeah. we have right. is I'm a good person. Yeah. I don't deserve bad things to happen. Mm. Um bad things should happen to bad people. Right? This this right. idea of karma, we we like it. And when we functionally in our core, a lot of us believe it, right? Even if we say we don't or whatever, you, you probably do. You think when something happens to you, this isn't fair. I didn't earn this. Yeah. Um, which is ironic because then when we think about the stuff we've done in our life, we think, oh my gosh, I've done some stuff. <laughs> I should have had a lot worse happen to me. <laughs> I should probably be canceled pretty hard. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, being able to confront that baseline idea that that I don't deserve this and it shouldn't happen and just understand it serves a purpose, it's beneficial, it will happen. Yeah, I think um, I think that's actually it makes it really helpful later on down the road when it does happen. I'm I'm expecting it. It's not outside of my worldview. Yeah, that this should happen to me. You know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I find that encouraging. Yeah, and we we uh, another thing on the American mindset is just that we so heavily invest ourselves into the pursuit of happiness, which is, I mean, all in all, I I think that's great. Yeah. But at the same time, how do you define that happiness? Mm. Is it always void of hard things? Uh, is it kind of a basically thin happiness mm. that has no depth to it. Uh, what if God wants to bring you more happiness and joy, but it's only going to come through something hard? Yeah. As my wife would say, Enneagram 4, uh, happiness has no meaning without sorrow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a bunch of crap. I'm seven, eight, <laughs> eight, seven. I'm just kidding. I know it's true, but, but it, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to think, okay, because I'm feeling this bad, it creates space to mm. give happiness more meaning, to give joy more meaning on the other end. Yep. And some of those people who have gone through, like our mentors who have gone through the most difficult things are the guys who just have like the most, the men and women who have the most joy mm. and peace. Yeah. It's like, how is that possible? Yeah. Another thing that I'd like to talk about that I really liked from him is a quote. He He's like the master of one-liners. He gives yeah. you a one-liner, like that pastoral sticky statement or whatever. Yeah. You're just like, boom. Uh, well, one that I really liked, I think that's appropriate from, 
from what we were just talking about it is the way that the church in America at large, right? The big C church, if you will, the a lot of people's experience with it has been that uh, when you hit these hard times or um, even, even just when you uh, are struggling yourself, maybe there's nothing externally happening or whatever, uh, there doesn't seem to be this this grace there doesn't seem to be this understanding and he said that the the imagery shifts from uh the symbol the metaphorical symbol of faith being a cross meaning jesus took care of it for you it's like that is what gets us in that's what you know makes us good enough one-time thing and then we're in and now uh, it shifts from a cross to a ladder. And now I have to climb this ladder and do these things to try to keep God happy with me. And the the inadvertent messaging in that being, if bad things are happening to me, if this is my baseline karma idea in my head that I'm a good person, I don't deserve these horrible things, um, which I think we all feel. It's like, I don't deserve this. I've been through a bunch of things I don't feel like I deserve. Uh, but the 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 outpouring of that, the expression of that, through the latter theology would be, I'm not climbing. I'm not good enough, you know? And I mean, if I don't feel that about myself, I've been told that. Hmm. I've been told that by people in the church. Uh, I've been told that by people outside the church, right? I've been told that by people in my life who who said, uh, yeah, you're, you're not getting it. You're not doing good enough. And maybe they're in some ways right. I'm sure that I can always do better. But also... What a horrible time to say it to someone. What what a terrible uh, thing to say to someone who's struggling, you know, who's experiencing pain or who's experiencing a uh, struggle that maybe they didn't ask for, or even if they did ask for it, it's not helpful. It's not useful. It doesn't it doesn't get me anywhere. Yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't take me from point A to point B. It doesn't doesn't help me grow in any way. It just kind of spits on me. Yeah. You know, it pisses on me when I'm down in the hole. Like, what's the point? Yeah. And the thing that he said that I really enjoyed and is so true is that you need the gospel just as much as the day you were saved. Um, or sorry, <laughs> he said you need the gospel every day just as much as the day you were saved. And um, it's like, that's, that's, we need the cross every single day of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for a lot of our audience that doesn't believe, you know, in in God or in Jesus, and and we welcome you here, obviously. Um, yeah. A bunch of our friends, actually. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, but we, what does that mean to to them when, to hear you say that? Because there's there's some words in there that you as a pastor would know, right? Gospel and and okay, I'm saved. And uh, but what what do you mean by that? Why do we need the gospel every day of our lives? What does that functionally mean for somebody? So I think it's back to what you were saying as the cross represents its grace. Yeah. It's grace every single day. Everything, every breath that we take, it's grace. It's all given to us. It's a gift. And when we take our baggage and our sins, our fears, our anxieties, our screw-ups to God, we expect the latter theology. We mm. expect him to say, you're not, you didn't do it right. You're not good enough. Mm. But when we take those things to the God of the cross, who is Jesus, what he does is he gives us himself. Yeah. What he does is he gives us that grace. Yeah. What he does is he gives us that opened armed acceptance. Yeah. And that's what I mean by every single day we need the gospel. 
Yeah, I think I don't think there's a single person here who can honestly say, yeah, I've been good enough. I feel great about this. Like every day we know, oh man, I, I failed in some way. And uh, I mean, there are delusional people, I guess, who, you know, but but we we know like at the end of the day, if we're honest with ourselves, we didn't do what we felt like we needed to. We didn't do, we didn't do everything right. Yep. Um, yeah, and it does. It's it can be paralyzing, you know, or we can play this game where we're trying to balance the scales of am I good enough? Did I do enough good things to outweigh the bad things I did yep. all day? Like what a what an exhausting game. Like the people, I think a lot of times who say I have been good enough. Yeah, I'm good enough. Are, they're playing that game and they feel like today I've won. Right. Today I've done more good things than bad things. Yeah. But tomorrow you won't. Yep. Right? And that's why why I love... And all the good things that you did do, what were your motivations for doing them? Yeah. To feel good about yourself? Well, oh no, now I'm selfish. Right. It's so, it's so complex and sinister almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the people who were the best at latter theology... Yeah. Were the religious people, were the Pharisees. Oh. Were the people in Jesus's day who everyone was else, they were like, oh, those are the guys who have it all together. Yeah. But then Jesus was like, no, your hearts are rotten. You guys are whitewashed tombs. And that's the same, like whenever I talk to a person who is super jaded with church, which by the way, I get, I've been kicked out of church. I've been fired. I've been... Uh, the I've been told you are not what we're looking for here. You are not what we want here, right? Over and over. So I get it. Like I've, I'm there too at times. And um, every single person that has a story like that can point to a person just like that. Right. But this latter theology, just like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, and it's like, oh, bad news. Jesus would not be pleased with you. In fact, you're doing the same thing that these guys were doing here that he, he pointed out, your whitewashed tombs. You're shiny on the outside, but the inside, you're just, you're rotten. You're a mess. And uh, yeah, I think that's huge to keep in mind for me is um, the people that have made me feel not enough, the people who handed me a ladder and said, start climbing and pretended like they were at the top of some ladder. No, they weren't. They're at the bottom. They're the least mature people and they seem to be the only people who believe they're mature and they need to force me to know it, right? Mature Christians, mature people of any, you know, of any capacity, whether you have a different faith or whatever, they don't need you to know that they're better than you, right? <laughs> uh, they need you, They, in fact, a lot of times they try to convince you that they're not, but you can just feel it, you yeah, know? You know it. You know it. It's like, man, that guy's got it together and I don't. Yeah. I love this conversation. Uh, let's talk about, before we end here, uh, this is a wild podcast, man. We had some fun stories. We had some oh, yeah. deep stories. We had some wild stories. Uh, what it, what stood out for you for that? Okay, I love that <laughs> we brought up the Mountain Dew from high school, like that you could chug that in eight seconds, which I am a witness of. Yeah, uh, multiple times. Yes, multiple times. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, something that we didn't bring up with him is that you had a rare skin condition yeah <laughs> because of mountain dew okay this is going to be this is going to be a jj abrams boom like not jj abrams what's his name christopher nolan oh even better even but better. 
No, uh, way worse. Shamalon. Shamalamamalamon. <laughs> We're going to Shamalon it. This story has a different ending than we thought. Okay. Okay, so it's actually a dark ending. I'll try to make it fun first, though. We called these dew spots, remember? Like, yeah. I, the more Mountain Dew I drank... Which was a lot. Minimum three liters per day. Accurate, yeah. Yes. Minimum three liters per day. Um, That's not an exaggeration. No, it's not. And here's the crazy thing. This is why... <sighs> this is why I'm so mad at myself. Is like, I did this for three years yep. and had an eight-pack the entire time. <laughs> and then after not that... pack of Mountain Dew. Yes, not an eight-pack of Mountain Like, Like... Thor abs, yeah. like easy, rivaled, maybe better. It was, it was gross. Whoa, yeah. I mean, nothing else on Thor. Everything else that guy could crush me with, but I had at least abs. Uh, it, but, but then one day, like overnight, it was like no abs, boom, yeah. night and day. My body was like, I we're done. Up to you. Yeah. I cannot believe that, that they were as resilient as they were. But you had these little spots like yeah. all over arms. Chest, back. I can't... Yeah. Yeah, I had these little red spots. It was blood pushing up into my skin. They actually did confirm. Okay. Um, and they told me it was some crazy... They took a biopsy. They, they cut one off of my stomach, which here's the thing I can't figure out. They were all over. Yeah. They were on my back. They were on my legs. They were like... They were all over. Why did you cut one off of my perfect eight-pack at the time <laughs> and leave me with this scar on... There's a million places you could have cut it from. And you cut it from like the most aesthetic part of my body. I think she just was like so jaded toward men with abs. Like at some point, she probably was one of Thor's ex-lovers or something. Yeah. And was like, no, 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 no. You're, obviously, you're not Thor. That's clear. But the abs, you're trying to be. We're going to cut those up. Or, or maybe was just interested. Like how much time? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Either way, uh, she decided to cut it off of my stomach, yeah. like uh, right, right here, right in the middle. It's I like super it. clear, <laughs> and uh, and the scar it, it annoys me honestly to look at, but because I think they were everywhere. You could have pulled it from the inside of my arm, like anyway. Yeah. So uh, she came back and said, "We have no idea what this is, uh, but it closely resembles some crazy form of." Some psoriasis, pityriasis, or something crazy. And she's like, it must be this extremely rare disease that there's like no cases of every year, but every like 10 years. And I, I couldn't even remember the name of it. It was so like, it's just like, there's no cure. Hopefully it goes away. Uh, the super weird thing was sunlight really seemed to make it go away. So whenever we'd go out and do like yeah. vacations or whatever, um, the getting a bunch of sun, it would it it would be drastically reduced. And here's the crazy thing that I ended up finding out later. Yeah, that was right when I was uh, in the throes of like a pretty pretty nasty situation in my life um, with with some abusive people and family members, and and it was like I couldn't escape it. It was night and day. I was insanely stressed, yeah. like insanely stressed. Um, and I found out, uh, during that time I had blood pressure through the roof, mm -hmm. especially for like a 17, 18 year old kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, through the roof and, and then the Mountain Dew, uh, and I also have a really high heart rate, right? My resting heart rate is, uh, naturally about hundred, 110. So chugging tons of caffeine and sugar, um, 
I mean, it's terrible for my heart, terrible for my body, and terrible for my heart rate and my blood pressure. So it spiked both of those. And yeah. I think what was happening is my blood pressure was so high, it was pushing blood up into my skin. Yeah. Um, which I have heard of a few cases. It happens like in extreme stress, um, which I was in in that time. And so what I thought was like, oh, I got this crazy disease. Like, oh, it's actually kind of a messed up story. <laughs> I was so stressed out that there was blood pushing up into my skin. So uh, for all you people that are stressed out out there, um, until that happens, you haven't felt any. I'm just kidding. But I, I've been there. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, Also, don't drink three liters of Mountain Dew. Don't day. do that. It will not help your stress. It won't help. But it will make all of life a party. And it will take any kind of abs that you have and destroy them. It might not happen overnight, but one day. One day. This episode is not sponsored by. It is definitely not. Code Red. <laughs> it's definitely not. Oh, Anyways, what were some of your favorite uh, like yeah. crazy parts? I loved uh, how passionate he is about uh, hair metal. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny to me. I thought that was hilarious because I remember growing up, like your dad was super into that and you yeah. hated it. Yeah. Because you were like, no, that stuff sucks. Nirvana is what is right. the real deal. Right, which he likes Nirvana too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's funny because, I mean, a lot of hair metal, I, I just can't get behind. Uh, but I don't have the nostalgia. Like, obviously, you know, Tolian does. But but there is, uh, there's a lot of it that's just fun, oh, it's you know? fun. Yeah. And, and I love that he has such, like, a huge love for Van Halen. My wife is, like, the biggest Van Halen, specifically Van Hagar, uh, you know, freak on the face of the earth. She just, she loves him. I think she got snuck into... Uh, Sammy Hagar's birthday bash in Mexico when she was like definitely underage. They snuck her into the club. I can't remember how old she was. I think I want to say like, gosh, 14, 15. She was really young and she went into this, this nightclub for his birthday bash and just had a blast. But she loves it. She loves Van Halen. And uh, so for her, that was like the high point for her listening to this is like, oh my gosh, he gets me. He gets me, you know, which made me really happy because, you know, there's not too many people, you know, in the church that, uh, or even outside, I guess, I don't know exactly um, how he would classify himself after the experience of, of this extreme cancellation that he's gone through. But uh, there's not too many people that, that uh, are just super real and raw and just love 80s metal that Erica can be like, oh man, that person, like I really feel like I have a connection with them. So I always, it always makes me happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, man. And also um, just <laughs> seeing him, uh, seeing his freedom now and there's there's a freedom and a cancellation and he he said it like i'm free to say whatever i want now what are they going to do cancel me again you know and i i love that and i actually um that hit me like right to my core cuz as a, an ex mega church pastor right the one thing that i could not navigate was this extreme self doubt like mm. constant self doubt and fear mm. that I was going to mess it up. And, um, as you, in, while you were in the, while I was in the position, yeah. And I was going to say the wrong thing. I'm an Enneagram seven, eight, eight, seven split. Every time I test, they're like neck and neck. Yeah. Sometimes they're even, sometimes one's higher than the other. I don't know which, but, uh, either way, 
I'm aggressive and I'm the life of the party. So that's yeah. just, I rub people the wrong way sometimes and that's fine. Um, it's something I'm working on and I rub less people the wrong way all the time. And then other people, I'm like, I'm fine rubbing you the wrong way. <laughs> so much rubbing. Happens. There's a lot of rubbing. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, let's all chill out a little bit, I yeah. guess. But, uh, but yeah, the, there was this just, I don't know, this overwhelming sense of uh I'm I'm gonna mess this up. I'm gonna say the wrong thing. I, I have to like be super guarded about, you know, how I speak and and uh then the worst happened and I got canceled. I got fired and, yeah. and it was for it wasn't for that. And I was like, right. okay. Um but I was free. After that, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't care. I don't care what they say. Like I wanna please. God, right? I want to please uh, my friends, my mentors, the people that that hold me accountable, the people that I care about. But, but I, I don't care if if I'm upholding the brand of you know somebody else just right. And there is a, a huge freedom that I don't think people understand that pastors um, have. And, I mean, you are one, but there's a huge burden of having to. Uh, present yourself a certain way and literally be mindful of every word that comes out of your mouth. It's a, mm. it's a huge burden and it's a burden for some less than me. It was really hard for me because I'm a douchebag, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a, it is. It truly is. Yeah. I, I think uh, probably every pastor at some level feels that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people understand that. And so that's why I, as soon as uh, Tullian said it, it's like, this is an experience that me after being an ex-pastor and and having that freedom one day. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people wouldn't realize how profound that is, that he said that, how much that statement means, but it means a ton. Mm-hmm. It means a ton. It's very hard to walk on eggshells all the time. And, and it's not like you're trying to hide who you are. It's just that if you say the wrong thing, somebody's going to be like, you're not what I was expecting. You're not what I was needing. And they're not going to go to you. They're going to go to your boss, the pastor above you, or they're going to cancel you. Or yeah. it's like, man, can't I can't I screw up and learn with you guys? Oh, I know. There's, yeah. That's the hardest part is sometimes you have a billion different expectations put on you. And then when you don't, yeah, up to whatever certain expectation, usually unspoken. Yeah. Uh, there's just gracelessness and yeah, there's a ladder. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the, the most gracious and wonderful and peaceful and joyful people I know yeah. are church people. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I also want to point out, uh, we are not an anti-church podcast in any way, just in case we haven't stated that clearly for you guys. Um, we are not a deconstruction podcast, though this is a safe place to point out weaknesses. Sure. Uh, we are a reconstruction podcast. And because we love the church and because we love people, yep. um, we're going to point out flaws. We're going to point out things that can be better because we care about it. And and we're going to do the same with each other. You know, We're going to point it out in each other. We're going to point it out in ourselves because that is what you do with things that matter to you is you can point out their weaknesses because they're valuable enough to fix. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we're a reconstruction podcast, I guess you could say, um, for our life, for ourselves, for our churches, for for everything. But yeah, that's a really good 
That's a good benediction, Pastor Steve. There. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Let's pray. Yeah. (laughs) That was our first debrief. Yeah. Of an episode. Tolian uh, was thinking about coming back on. Um, And I would love that, man. And Tolian, if you're listening, thank you so much for the wisdom you shared. Uh, It meant a ton to me. Um, And like I told you, you've had a profound impact on on my life when I felt like I wasn't enough, when I hit a wall, when I didn't know how to go forward. And you showed me, uh, this is actually what what the Bible says about that. And that was huge. I actually thought it was heresy at first. I took it to, I haven't told you this. I took it to a few Bible college professors and like, this is heresy, right? What does he mean? I don't have to do anything. What does he mean? Jesus did it. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, it, it sounds silly, but, but it, at the end, when I, when I almost died, you know, it was crazy meaningful. It was crazy meaningful to me. So thank you so much for yeah. uh, coming on. Yeah. Thanks to him. Yeah. Love to have him again. As we close up here, I just want to wish you guys uh, a beautiful week. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are wherever you're at, if you're struggling, you know, if you're in one of those walls like us, hey, there's hope. And in fact, it could be beautiful. It can be something that that uh, you look back on and you wouldn't trade it. Believe it or not, it's true. Um, even if you get to the point where there's blood pushing up into your skin. <laughs> uh, but whatever's going on, even if you're in a great place, you know, be present, relax. Enjoy it, you know? Uh, take a moment to to try to find joy and things to be grateful for. And and we we love you guys. And uh, we can't wait to hear some questions and uh, thoughts you have on this episode as well. If you want to leave us a comment on any of our social media accounts or different things, uh, we might even read it and see what happens. What would be most helpful, actually, Ooh. is if you rated and reviewed on Apple Podcasts. Absolutely, yeah. So especially just starting out, I don't know if you guys know, but if this is meaningful to you at all, um, yeah, you could donate. That's that's always cool. But uh, believe it or not, a way that you can absolutely, without any monetary input, um, that you could help us a ton is if you would uh, just give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That would be a huge help in the beginning. Um, it'll be less helpful later, but in the beginning especially, super uh, it's super helpful. It's always going to be something we value, but I don't think you understand how much of an impact that can have on us being able to continue doing this in the future. So... As you go into your week, may you be free from shame and ready to train. Oh, that was cheesy. All right, let's go. Are we good? We're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. That was fun. That was really fun. Dude, <laughs> you think we're going to have to cut any of that? Well, that wraps up this episode of the Cancelled Apprentice podcast. I'm proud of you guys. I love you. May you be free from shame and ready to trade.